Okay, our text today will be Psalm 16, so we'll be there in a couple of minutes. You can turn there in your Bibles or you can go to YouVersion. I want to tell a story on myself, a little story my family makes fun of me about, so I think you'll enjoy. Uh, one year I was fasting. I'd, it's a terrible combination to get snowed in while you're fasting. I'm telling you, that's the enemy at work if there ever was one, you know. A work of the enemy. So I, I was fasting. You know, the Bible says, don't tell people when you fast. And so I'm stuck in the house with the kids and everything. And someone made homemade cookies. Man, when it's snowing outside and the smell of homemade cookies. And so I'm like, man, this is, this is really, really tempting. And so of course, everyone's piling up their plate with cookies and they're like, dad, are you going to have any cookies? No, I'm not going to have cookies. What? You're not going to have cookies? No, I'm not going to have that. So finally, you know, I said, well, I kind of mumbled out, I'm fasting. Have you ever noticed that when you say that, like a holy hush comes over people, all of a sudden they talk quieter, they go, oh, you're fasting. Dad's fasting. So here it is. Everyone's gathered around watching a movie with a plate of cookies. And, you know, I'm kind of participating with the family and praying at the same time. And I, I so regret doing this. And I don't know why I'd said it, but I breathed the prayer out thinking no one would hear, but everyone heard. I said, Lord, you are my cookie. I go, <laughs> One of the kids said, what did you just pray? <laughs> and so that comes up like all the time now. Anytime there's cookies, you're like, Lord, you are my cookie. <laughs> well, you know, that, that really came to mind when we saw today's passage. I want to talk about joy today, and I'm glad we opened up the sermon with one good laugh. Um, joy is, is such an important part of our humanity and our reflecting of who God is. That's why I love, there's so many scriptures on joy, but I love this one. Psalm 16, starting with verse five. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing and you hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now go down to verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence, here's a key phrase for today's message. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hands are eternal pleasures. This is the word of the Lord. So in the ancient world, and this isn't so unlike our world today, but if you would be a guest at a party, you would get a cup and you would get a portion. And that would be indicative of the favor you had with the host. In fact, we, we know from cuts of meat. I mean, you understand this for those of you who eat beef, uh, that there's different cuts of meat that are choice and others that are a little cheaper. So whatever your cut is, was indicative of how the host fell, felt about you. The cup, this, this, the cup is referred to as something both positive and negative in scripture. In this, in this passage, it's a positive thing. The cup, your cup is full of choice wine. And when the psalmist sung this song, he said something 
That's not, not unlike my little phrase, Lord, you are my cookie, even though I'm embarrassed about that phrase, that this is a better one. Verse five, look at verse five again. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. And if you want joy, your joy is gonna be found through the Lord and it's gonna be found through a satisfaction with him. And so one of the things I want you to receive from this teaching today is I want you to realize that you will not find satisfaction in the things that the world is offering and the dissatisfaction that the world is trying to stir in you. I'd say this a lot, but our whole market aspect of our economy exists to make you dissatisfied with what you have. So then you'll want more to purchase. So God's people, we have a different economy. We receive what the Lord gives. And we say, Lord, this portion is good enough. And this cup of blessing, this cup of blessing is you. And it's enough for me. In addition to that, we know this is that property was so important as it is in our day too. But the Lord gave certain areas to the 12 tribes of Israel and, and he gave certain boundary lines. And then you'll, you'll notice that throughout the scripture over and over again, the, the scripture tells God's people, don't move the boundary lines or don't cheat the boundary lines because the idea was the Lord's given you this property and maybe you've handed it down generation to generation. And this is a gift from the Lord. It's a place where you can be fruitful. It's a place where you can produce. It's a place that you can pass on to generations. And so instead of dissatisfaction with where, what the Lord had given him, the one who wrote this song said, hey, I, I, I'm, my boundaries have fallen somewhere good. I want us to go to Psalm 73, because I want you to hear such a heart of someone who loves the Lord. This is, this is probably, this really was my life verse through my late teens and into my thirties. Starting with verse 25. Whom have I in heaven, but you? And I desire nothing on earth, but you. Now, how many know that that phrase right there, I, I can't say that today. I don't know if I've ever really been able to say that as much as I want I want to prioritize God to where he's more important than anything I want on earth. And, and that's like an aspirational place to be. Like earth has, there's nothing on earth that compares to you, Lord. Nothing compares to you. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And then here's that term again, and my portion forever a portion that's just right for me. I want you to hear that is that the, the, what the Lord has given you and your life with the Lord is just right for you. You don't have to compare your portion to someone else's portion. In fact, I read something this week. It says that the, the minute we compare with someone, we stop connecting with someone. I was like, well, that was good. That was so good, I had to give credit to the author, not myself, because I need to apply that. The minute we start, we start comparing ourselves with someone, we stop connecting with someone. Lord, you're my portion forever. 
Verse 27, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But verse 28, this, was, this is my, one of my life verses. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I've made the Lord my refuge so I can tell all your deeds. The NIV, which is what I learned the scripture from, said, but as for me, it is good to be near God. As for me, it's good to be near God. I don't want to compare my life to someone else's life as if their life is better. Because I have my portion and I have my cup and it is to know the Lord. And that portion is good enough for me and that cup is satisfying enough for me. This, brothers and sisters, is what joy is. Joy is not the emotion of happiness. Joy is knowing who you are and being satisfied with your portion and being satisfied with your cup. That's why the second point I wanna make today is this. The presence of God is our inheritance. So the presence of God, my my first point was the presence of God is our satisfaction. I don't know if I told you all that. Did I tell you all that? I'm sorry. That That was point number one already. Presence of God is my satisfaction. It's been a couple of weeks since I've preached. I'm already out of practice. The presence of God, number two, is our inheritance. So we're satisfied with our portion. We're satisfied with our cup. And now our boundary lines have fallen in good places. I love what verse five says. It says, you hold my future. Oh, isn't that good? Isn't that good? In fact, I wrote that down and put it on my prayer list because I'm one of those people. I love to talk about the future. Hey, but I'm getting older. I have less future now than I have past. Um, And I was like, you know, I'm I'm a very visionary person. I'm a very forward thinking person, but God holds my future. I put that on my prayer list. What a scripture. You hold my future. And I apply that's for my kids too. And that's for, that's for you guys. That's for this church. The Lord holds our future. And we're humbled by that. And then going on in verse six, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Isn't it great when you could say, hey, I'm okay with my life because God has chosen this life for me. And I'm, I'm okay with this life because I'm not comparing myself because the portion and the cup I have is good enough because it's what the Lord has chosen for me. That is joy, all right? Joy is not more money, more, more friends. That's not what joy is. Joy is knowing who you are in Jesus. And it's for all of you. We're, we're all at really different places right now. Like some of you are having great, you're in a great season of your life. And some of you, it's a really, really tough season in your life. I can look back at certain Decembers and say, oh, that was a terrible December. You know, 2020 was a really tough December for me. And other Decembers, hey, things are going good. Joy is for both situations. Joy is not for the good years and joy doesn't leave during the bad years. Joy is knowing your portion is right and your cup is right and your boundary lines have fallen in good places because you can trust the Lord with your future. The Lord is in it. Dallas Willard, he he was a Christian philosopher at USC, the University of Southern California. 
And this quote moved me so much. I know I shared it with you guys within the last year, but I said, I have to share it with you again because it was such a forming quote for me. This is out of the book, Divine Conspiracy. Your life is not something from which you can stand aside and consider what it would be, what it would have been, been like had you had a different one. There is no you apart from your actual life. You are not separate from your life in that, in that life, you must find the goodness of God. Otherwise, you will not believe that God has done well by you and you will not be truly at peace with him. Don't we do that? We play this imaginary game. Oh, if I would have done this or I would have done that, then I would have been this way. You know, I, I could, if I, if I would have gone into sales, I would have had a lot more money. You know, if, if, I, if I would have lived in a different part of the country, I'd been closer to my family now. I understand wisdom comes from, comes from reflection. I understand that. But what Willard's trying to say, and I think it's true from what I know from scripture is, we can't imagine this alternative person because then we think that God hasn't been good to us. Instead, we accept the goodness of God. We know that life is consequential and we make choices that have consequences, but we know this is God's grace is strong on us even when we've made big mistakes, right? That's how, that's part of how we know the goodness of God is that he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Because I promise you, all of us have done dumb things that deserve the wrath and punishment of God but his grace and love is so much greater. And so we stand under grace. We sing under grace and love. We go to the table of the Lord under the grace of God because God is good. But if you wanna stay in the place of immaturity and, and think my life would have been, my life should have been better if God would have been good, then you cut God and his goodness off from your life. Instead say, Lord, my portion is good and my cup is good. And that's why I have joy. Both Isaiah and then Zephaniah repeat many, many declarations about our future in God. Things that we have experienced through Jesus and things we will experience more fully when Jesus comes again. And I wanna read one of these passages to you. Zephaniah chapter three, starting with verse 14. Sing for joy, daughter Zion. Shout loudly, Israel. Be glad and celebrate with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed your punishment. Can we say amen to that? He has turned back your enemy. I want you to just see this. I'm gonna give some commentary as I read this. This is what the power of Jesus and the power of the gospel has done. It has taken away our punishment, but it has turned back those forces of evil that are, are attacking our soul. The light and the presence of the Lord are stronger than the, the enemy's plan for our life and the evil that attacks us. The King of Israel, the Lord, that's Jesus, guys, is among you. You need no longer fear harm. Verse 16, on that day, 
And I just want to say this here. What day is that? Well, it's the day that we celebrate here during Advent. It's the day when Jesus came to earth. But that's a first fruit of what's in our future too. Jesus will come again. That's what Advent's not just about Jesus coming in Bethlehem. Advent's also about Jesus returning when his feet hit the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and he, the whole world sees what a true leader is really like, an uncorrupted leader, a leader who leads in righteousness and holiness and perfection. So it's the already not yet kingdom of God. That's an important phrase to us around here. We, we, we use that phrase a lot. The kingdom's already here, but it's not fully here. That Jesus has already come, but he hasn't asserted his rule and reign fully quite yet. And so we get a taste of revelation. We get a taste of healing. We get, we get a taste of, of, of his authority, which proclaims the full authority of God that is on its way with the coming of the Lord. So verse 16, on that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not fear Zion. Don't let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. This is what we experience in the gathering of God's people when we experience the presence of God. This is what you experience when you have a devotional life with the Lord. And in those late evening hours or those early morning hours or in those lunch hours, when you set aside 10 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes to connect with the presence of the Lord, you get a taste. You are living in that day. It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day when the, the sin that attacks our soul is under, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it does not rule or reign with in us. It's a time where we rejoice that we live in a world where suffering doesn't have the last word, where warfare will not always exist. We live in a world where children will not always be violated. We live in a world where diseases will not, will not always spread. We live in a world where corruption and a lack of integrity and, and a lack of justice and leadership will not rule the day. It will not be that way forever. We see it now but that's not what this planet is destined for. This planet is destined for wholeness, healing, righteousness, peace, love, harmony. This, this planet has its best days ahead when Jesus' rule and reign is fully asserted. And so that's why we rejoice. That's why we sing. That's why we dance and we have joy because we know the one who will complete everything our heart longs for. Guys, I can't give you a message on joy that says you won't get sick in the next year. I can't give you a message on joy that says, I promise you someone you care for will not let you down. I can't give you a message for joy that says, hey, there's gonna come a time in this life where you won't have to wait two or three days for the next paycheck because that's not what joy is. Joy means that even when those closest to me abandoned me. Even when I'm standing and waiting for healing to manifest in my body, even when I'm not recognized by my bosses for the job that I've done, even when that the people that I care for the most have forgotten me, I have joy, not because I'm happy, 
not because I'm in a preferred state. I have joy because I know the one who is holding my future and the future of the world. And there is coming a day when all the right, the wrongs will be made right under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not dependent upon man. It's not dependent upon the wisdom of man. It is established in the righteousness of the Lord. And that is who we look to and why we look. We look further than what we can see, further than what we know, further than what we understand, further than what we can comprehend into a future day established by Jesus Christ. A day of singing, shouting, rejoicing, a day of deliverance from our enemies, a day where God's people are exalted and they're reflecting righteousness. It's not here yet, but we've got a taste of it. It's already here, but not yet fully manifested. Jesus himself is in our midst and Jesus himself will be in the midst of the world and there'll be no reason to fear any longer. There'll be no reason because God will quiet our fears with his love. God is not a God who wants us to fear. God is a God who calms our fear. He's a God who, who quiets us with his love. He's a God who sings. He's a God who has the language of love that comes through song. And he sings that over you and over us. You know, we want to know the future. We desire to know the future. That's why some of you go to fortune tellers and you, and you consult the horoscope. And I want to tell you that God's people should not do that. That is, that is a companionship with demons and it does not belong to God's people. Some of you don't know that and you didn't know that till now. And so what you need to do is just stop. There's a spirit called the Holy Spirit and he has wisdom and he, 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 he revealed himself through scripture. And that is where our well of wisdom is from. You're like, well, I, I really like, I really like to, to consult the horoscope. I really, I really enjoy, you know, uh, fortune tellers and all that. Well, it doesn't matter if you enjoy it. That is not of the Lord. And, and you should not participate in that. Now, fortune cookies, that's a Chinese restaurant. I don't know, you know. I won't come down too hard on those. They taste good, right? God typically does not give us details of the future. Now, he can and he does, but he typically doesn't. In a full scope of the scripture, you'll see that. He, he's able to, and he may, but usually we probably couldn't handle it. So, so he doesn't give us details. He gives us arrows. What do you mean arrows? He gives us a direction. He says, this is my way. Follow, go that way. Don't go to darkness. Don't go to sin. Go this way. The arrow of the Lord is through his scripture and it's pointing a direction. We want the details. Why? Because we don't want the risk. But the Lord chooses most of step day by day, season by season. We need the Lord. We can't draw upon our past experiences with the Lord to guide us today, we have to, we, we need fresh revelation and fresh direction. You understand what I mean in that statement. I, I guess you could break that down. We do look to the past to form our future, but we get something fresh. Here's my third point today. The presence of God is our pathway. 
or if you want to write this down, I almost changed it this morning, but I did not want to make our media people mad. The presence of God is our arrow, <laughs> pathway or arrow, whichever one you like. But the scripture says this in verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me and your presence is abundant joy. And at your right hands are pleasures, are eternal pleasures. You reveal the path of life to me. God's arrows, he doesn't give the details usually, point to love, point to holiness, point to fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. You are called to have more love in your life. You are called to reflect more holiness in your life. You're called to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Holy Spirit found in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. God's saying, go that way. So I don't know the details of your life. I don't know the details of your future. I don't know the details of mine. But I know this. I can say this because I know scripture is that there is a path for you and a direction for you that is crystal clear today. And the Lord says, walk in that path. Because you may be like a Joseph and find yourself in prison. But I want you to remember this someday, whatever that prison is to you, you're fruitful in the prison. You hear God's voice in the prison. You minister in that prison and the Lord will promote you in one hour when it's his timing. If I said some of you, you know, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a word from the Lord, you know, you're gonna be in prison in two years. How many people, people don't like those prophets? People like the prophets, like the Lord's gonna bless you. The Lord has great things for you. But how many know that when a prophet says, hey, the Lord has five really tough years ahead of you. No one's paying the conference fee for that prophet. Frankly, a lot of those words are so similar. They're all positive, positive, positive. Here's what's positive is whether you're in prison or you're at the throne of the palace, you need the presence of God. And it's there for you. And there's fruitfulness for you. That's God's direction for your life. That's where God is taking you. And so we can say from a man who was in prison, who dictated these words, the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians chapter four, verse four. I will say it again, rejoice. This was written from prison. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. I guess even the prison guards, right? Even that coworker who gets on your last nerve, be gracious to them. Why? The Lord is near. The Lord is near in adversary. The Lord is near in tough situations. The Lord is near when you feel like you're captive. Verse six, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Here's my last point as we close this up. And I've already made it, but I'm going to just declare it. The presence of God is our joy. So circumstances are not your joy. Guys, you, you, you have joy. I, I was reflecting on this over the weekend. And without me getting into all my stories and, and all that kind of stuff, some of the loneliest times of my life is when I've had the most joy. I didn't enjoy being lonely. I didn't enjoy maybe feeling social isolation. But it caused me to, to depend upon Jesus some of you have been through some divorces. I wouldn't wish a divorce on anyone. 
and, 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 and I have great compassion for you in that. And, and I hope you never have to go through that again. But there's a weird kind of joy from people I've talked to who have been through a divorce because if they keep their faith, they have to go completely upon God. There, there's joy in suffering. There's joy in hardship. There's joy in adversity. Now, I say all of that because that's when we turn to the Lord. But for some of you who are in times of prosperity and abundance, be warned by the Lord today. I've seen more people walk out of the kingdom of God because God prosper, because of prosperity. I won't say God prospered them. It could have been the enemy that prospered them. I've seen more people walk out of the kingdom of God because they had more money than ever before or because they were relationally connected in ways they'd never been before. Single people who, once they got married, just didn't care about serving the Lord or being involved in the kingdom of God anymore. Not, not, not that marriage is our goal here. Jesus is our goal. I, I've seen this happen over again, so be warned today. Some of you may be basking in artificial joy, but truly it is just like, it is like a mirage. It's like a fake kind of joy because it's all based off earthly circumstances. And the Lord says, seek the Lord now, seek the Lord now, seek the Lord in the day of abundance, seek the day, Lord in the day of prosperity, seek the Lord when things are going well, because the heart will drift, drift, drift. Hey, it's happened to me before. It's happened. And, and I know it's, it's a great temptation. Here's, I'm going to look at the scripture, verse 11, one more time in the NIV. You will make known to me the path of life. And here's our key phrase today. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at your right hand. Hey, let's stand together if you're able to. If you're able to, let's stand as we go to ministry time. Hey, I wanna remind you of something I told you several times today. The presence of God is your source of joy. Hear this again. The presence of God is your source of joy. Quit putting your joy on someone else. Stop it. I mean, stop making your joy dependent upon another person. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. Listen, if you're a little short on money, let the joy of the Lord be your strength and you watch what God will do. God will provide for you. I don't know if it'll be money or I don't, I don't know if it'll be an extra meal or I don't know if it's, if it's a new way of thinking that God's gonna help you extend the paycheck. But I'm gonna tell you, don't let money be your joy. Listen, don't let your kids be the source of your joy. I mean, kids are great. And part of living in the kingdom of God is protecting kids and helping kids flourish. And that's big on my heart today. That, that's who we are as kingdom people. We protect kids from the womb until, until they're adults. We, we do what's necessary to make kids flourish. That's part of our call. But we cannot idolize them and make them the source of our joy. We receive their joy as they reflect the kingdom of God. Lord, we just come to you this day, Lord, and we now move into this time of ministry. And we thank you, Lord, that you are dealing with the hearts of your people right now. You're dealing with your heart, the hearts of your people. Some of you thought, oh man, I'm off the hook today. It's a sermon on joy. I don't have to change. I, I don't have to change. I'm just gonna hear a nice little safe Advent sermon on joy. And the Holy Spirit right now is like chipping away at your heart. Like the Holy Spirit's like coming against that rock in your heart. He's plowing it up and he's softening it up. And he, he, because in 
the presence of the Lord, there is joy. So Father, we come to you now as confessional people, confessing your greatness and confessing our sins to you. And we do that right now. And we're gonna just do a different confessional today. And, and, and we won't do the one we typically do on the screen. I'm just gonna ask you to repeat this prayer, this extemporaneous prayer to the Lord. Say, say it after me. Say, Jesus, I turn my heart to you. I repent of sin. You are the source of joy. Your presence is my joy. I turn from sin and I turn to you.